0: I just record.
1: Recording in progress.
0: Uh, good evening. My name is Emilio Amaro and I'm the chair of the Master Plan Implementation Committee. And this is our January 12th, 2023 meeting. Uh, joining us tonight, our Master Plan Implementation Committee, as along with myself, Master Plan Implementation Committee members Bob McDonald, Alan Rappaport, uh, Joe Emrine, Lisa Lopez. Um, and we have our guests, uh, Housing Coordinator Kevin Shea and uh, Tom Birmingham, Chair of the Energy um, Advisory Committee and uh, Jennifer Wexler. Uh, and uh, we are on uh, CCTV as well. Uh, so um, our first, um, I, let me just share the screen. Our first item of business is, can anybody see that okay? Yes. Okay, uh, so uh, our first item of business is to um, discuss the housing, uh, the shared priorities between um, housing and the master plan. Uh, and there we go. So the uh, the master plan um, implementation committee. Is essentially uh, designed to implement the master plan that was approved by the planning board in uh, 2020. And um, it was through a process that started at the town uh, annual town meeting in 2017. And a committee, the master plan steering committee, worked with a um, contractor, Horsley Witten, to develop it. And uh, the full master plan can be seen at www.cantonmasterplan.com, and it's um, it was the a master plan is essentially a wide range, long term vision that's a 15 year long plan that is designed to uh, cover pretty much all aspects of life in Canton. Whether and we'll see that in a second when we get to the strategic framework. But so once the master plan was approved, uh, it was determined that there should be a master plan implementation committee, um, which is made up of nine seats, which um, constitute a cross range of different committees in town um, to uh, bring about already kind of a forum of different uh, committees that can work together to coordinate the implementation of the plan. Um, Our town planner, in this case, it's interim town planner, Gene Manning is our staffer and um, works to help us uh, implement the master plan as well. And uh, the the master plan, it consists of three books, which is the uh, baseline roadmap and uh, action plan. And the baseline was the existing conditions when the uh, master plan was adopted or, or drafted, I should say. And the Roadmap is a series of recommendations and findings from public outreach of a wide range of stakeholders. And the action plan is the actual actions to achieve those goals that the master plan implementation committee is largely focused on implementing. Uh, when uh, the master plan was approved, the strategic framework was established for the first five years of the master plan to um, start working on uh, things that were considered short-term, ongoing items. These include uh, housing and uh, in neighborhoods, which we'll be talking about more tonight. Um, it will be um, there's also public health, health and social well-being, um, town services, uh, economic development, and workforce issues. Um, recreation, open space, um, items like that. Uh, transportation, neighborhood, uh, regional, townwide, and regional, I should say. And so this strategic framework, as, as you'll see, have subsections, action items, responsible parties that have been identified during the process of Uh, group parties that we would expect to help take the lead on implementing these items and the time frame in which they may be um, uh, hoped to be achieved. And in this particular strategic framework, uh, they're basically things that are hoped to be achieved within five years or are ongoing and progress is hoped for the the, um, five years. Um, PROTECT is kind of a broader thing that includes historic resources, arts and culture, and environmental stewardship of of, uh, protecting our ecosystems and landscapes. Um, ADAPT uh, revolves on energy conservation and generation and um, natural hazards and climate change, which we'll also be talking about a little bit tonight later. And then there's three focus areas: Canton Junction, the downtown, and Route 138, which have some significant relevance also of the housing that we'll be talking about in a second. So um, the um, the housing uh, affordable housing trust was formed. Uh, about two years ago, I think it was. And that was something that was recommended uh, in the master plan. And the master plan has a significant amount of uh, focus in its live section on housing and also in the focus areas uh, that, um, that try to achieve a number of housing goals. And um, so uh, first, uh, in the- we have Um, The housing and neighborhoods uh, guiding principle is that Canton will have homes for residents at all stages of life and with diverse incomes. And uh, the uh, the rationale for the long term strategic objectives is uh, the availability of homes in Canton that meet the needs of residents at all stages of life and incomes. And uh, this will op- open up opportunities for young people to move into Canton, but also allow older residents to stay in age in place um, by being able to, to potentially scale down into smaller homes as well. Um, the, uh, to maintain an inventory of deed restricted affordable housing beyond 10%. And uh, the town currently does, as, as many of you know, have affordable housing that's beyond 10% of its total housing inventory. So we're at the moment in good shape, but we have to sustain that 10% um, as new things are built and as um, some old affordable housing potentially sunsets if we don't take action. So some of the items there are to continue to monitor the progress of the town's housing action plan and update as required, which uh, some of these things are, are ongoing, continue to support the maintenance and possible expansion of existing housing authority properties, Um, use comprehensive permit applications strategically to permit individual projects that are consistent with the town's needs. And of course, comprehensive permits um, have some association with 40 Bs, which can have some pros and cons. But the master plan um, suggested that in certain cases, that might be something we might consider if there was a strategic application. Obviously, if we're above the 10 percent threshold of affordable housing, Uh, comprehensive permitting is not imposed on the town, but it could still theoretically in certain cases be a tool that might be to our advantage. Um, But again, there are obviously pros and cons to um, taking that path. Uh, Expand housing choice throughout the community and introducing the concept of missing middle housing options to the community. And uh, identify where different models could be appropriate and um, you know, that th- this allows, a, a dec- with middle housing, is kind of the difference between large scale, large expensive single family homes and small units, and that can fill a gap in, in the housing inventory. And also uh, it can allow for um, us to make housing more avail- affordable by also increasing not just the types of housing, but also the number of housing uh, options that uh, people can potentially have uh, in town to uh, kind of prevent an entry barrier for lower income or younger people and allow options to scale down for older folks. Uh, we can support amendments to the zoning bylaw to re- remove impediments to the development of multifamily housing models where they are already allowed. Um, I, I suppose in spirit that could also be expanding areas for multifamily housing, such as what we see in the MBTA communities law, Um, capture housing opportunities unique to specific areas of town, and certainly there's a continuing development of the Paul River Heritage Site. I think last year there are some uh, units added to that um, that are deed restricted. Uh, as well. So, um, continue to consider the impact of zoning provisions specifically tailored to the golf course parcels that incentivize higher retention of protected open space and more flexible environmentally sensitive design. While this is kind of secondary to some forms of housing policy, and it certainly was somewhat addressed in the 2017 town meeting, what may or may not be built there certainly will impact the percentage of housing inventory in town if those golf courses were to ever close, and those would be opportunities to determine, um, you know, uh, how that would impact uh, housing policy in town. They've uh, the, the zoning I think that was implemented in 2017 tried to reduce the density uh, that could be built on those properties if they were to ever um, be on the market. Um, increased capacity to implement housing strategies. So continued direct support of the Canton Housing Authority through contributions from the Community Preservation Act funds and direct engagement during the update of the housing action plan or drafting of the housing production plan is applicable as those are being done. This will be perhaps more of a, a shift to implementation of those plans. Um, now that they're being updated. Uh, establish an advisory housing committee. The master plan called this. I did notice online there is a fair housing committee that seems at least from what I could observe to be dormant. But um, so that was a question that I had had while I was looking as to what was the status of that committee um, and continue continued support for the affordable housing trust continue to seek assistance from state level programs agencies for the implementation of housing policy initiatives. And again, you know, perhaps there's some elements of linkage to the MBTA communities law here, where we're also looking at state level programs um, to implement those state level programs locally, as well as having helping getting help from the state to implement local policies. Um, There's obviously a symbiotic relationship to that i think explore the formation of a regional housing services organization with neighboring communities and with assistance from the metropolitan um area planning council and there are the master plan did identify i think it was three of these that exist in massachusetts where a regional towns got together to form an organization to to provide um uh, pr- monitoring uh administration, development and Mm -hmm. residential assistance kind of in a coordinated way among several towns. And um, the master plan did encourage the town to consider developing such an organization. There's probably some cases where that could certainly um, work uh, uh, very um, easily where, for instance, on the Route 138 corridor, Milton, Canton and Stoughton all kind of have common interests. And other parts of town where there are significant things neighboring other towns where working together could help pool resources and um, and try to come up with a more regional coordinated approach to housing, um, public health and social well being. While that's moving a little bit away directly from housing, there's there's still some definite elements of public health and social well being that are connected to housing. And um, Canton will recognize the challenges of its most vulnerable community members and rise to meet their needs. Canton will strive to ensure physical and economic success, access rather, and, uh, for all residents to make healthy choices and enhance quality of life uh, for all ages. And um, you know, that can be linked to eco- uh, environmental justice uh, and making sure that the people are in housing that is, is safe. Um, regardless of, of income, and uh, also to potentially connect uh, housing to other parts of the master plan, um, such as economic development, recreation, other things kind of in where they are located. Um, help develop, support vulnerable residents in the community, uh, help develop town policies that support all ages and promote accessibility. These include diversifying housing types and designs, that are more accessible and affordable, improving walking and biking connections, addressing ADA concerns to town-owned and managed facilities and building opportunities for intergenerational events, um, promote the traditional neighborhood designs, which are essentially kind of walkable uh, neighborhoods Mm -hmm. um, and and transit-oriented development models, which are housing near uh, transit, like commuter rail stations, At appropriate scales for new and infill development, encourage a mix of uses, housing types, public spaces, and walking and biking connections to neighborhood Mm -hmm. developments. And, you know, certainly where housing is located and how it's included in mixed development can can be very helpful as far as having uh, housing stock that is available for different people with different needs. Um, and different aspects, uh, different types of people in different forms of workforce as well. Uh, Town services, this is kind of not specifically about housing, but I think that by having an efficient, transparent, uh, and open process, um, which is I think something that applies to all town services, it allows the public to not only just participate in the local decision-making, but also understand processes, understand what's available in terms of services, and it can make the whole process work better, um, as well as being more um, inclusive to members of the community. Um, Create mixed-use environments that attract businesses. Of course, there is a connection between housing and um, workplace and um, workforce, and so to be able to encourage a mix of uses in the town, the, the, the master plan in this place in this section particularly refers mostly to actual business types but there's certainly the principle of linking housing and mixed-use developments that support the workforces and economic and connectivity goals that are uh, can be realized through strategic placing of housing um, to support those areas Um, and then we have the three focus areas which are canton junction which um The master, the the consultants that uh, helped us write the master plan um, felt was a particularly great place for um, transit-oriented development as it's right near the Canton Junction uh, commuter rail station, and they saw it as becoming potentially a compact walkable center that connects to the public transit, the not too far away downtown, and adjacent neighborhoods, and it, would, and it could be used for a diversity of different housing options, including uh, the transit-oriented development, um, as well as um, it, uh, some other forms of abuses. Of, uh, of the one thing it did suggest for transit-oriented development is that we consider the use of Chapter 40R for specific areas. Um, that's a specific type of... Of um, affordable, of uh, multi, what is it, a smart development, uh, compact, high density type of development chapters. The chapters here refer to Massachusetts general law. Um, but there were pros and cons to that. So, of course, that would be something that would need to be taken on a case uh, by case basis. Um, the focus area of the downtown of course this year where we're working on rezoning the downtown potentially um, and so the uh, downtown obviously will have some changes if those zoning uh, initiatives those zoning plans are uh, brought to the town meeting and approved uh, but also to the question is, is how does housing fit into those mixed uses that are considered for the downtown area and the development changes in the downtown area um, and that's just some of the things that the town, the master plan itself identified as uh, potential zoning changes for the master plan, which is some of the things that planning board and our interim town planner, Gene Manning, and others are, are, are working on. So, um, and again, the strong connections between the Paul Revere Heritage Site, which and the downtown and the Canton Junction with in terms of multimodal infrastructure and and new developments that make it more walkable, more bikeable. And that could include maybe some forms of mixed use or multifamily housing as we see either in the downtown zoning plans or the uh, MBTA communities uh, law, depending on which of those we're talking about there. Uh, And then route 138, um, obviously mostly at the moment in Canton, south of Randolph Street, uh, more of a commercial, Business corridor north of it, a little more residential. Um, But one of the things that the master plan called for was trying to revitalize Route One Thirty Eight into more of a destination that had a broader combination of businesses, shopping, entertainment, and residences, while increasing the safety and access for all modes of transportation. Of course, the roadway is a a state road, so it would require the 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 infrastructure for the roadway would it require more um, state Involvement than some of the other things on the list here but um route 138 um it was hoped by the master plan that we would be able to find areas where residential uses could be appropriate focusing on locations where walking and biking improvements of the roadway are planned and that's still a developing um situation with the mass dot and and others, but um, but to try to make Route 138 a place that was more of a mixed use destination um, for both businesses and, where appropriate, uh, residences as well, and part of the mixed uses and some of those items, there was some zoning proposed last year at town meeting that was indefinitely postponed, I think, without prejudice um, as a result of some still different differences between some of the companies along there, some of the property owners, I should say, that it still needs to be uh, worked out a bit. And also too, MassDOT has to continue to, I think, develop their uh, plans for revitalizing the actual roadway into more of a complete street as well. So um, that was the list of suggested um, shared priorities. And um, with that, I'll um, turn it over to our housing coordinator, Kevin Che, uh, welcome and thank you for joining us. And um, uh, we'd very much love to hear your your thoughts on all of these uh, items.
2: Thanks, thanks, for, thanks for inviting me, Emilio. Appreciate it. Uh, I've I've only been <laughs> here uh, three months now, but I've been trying to get uh, get my hands on as many documents, reports, and that is that I can. But one thing I found that a lot of the uh, the master plan. Uh, the uh, housing production plan, which is uh, being finalized now, which I believe will be presented to the uh, uh, select board sometime at the end of the month and the uh, transit oriented uh, uh, development plan that was done uh, with the help of uh, MAPC. uh, I found a lot of these align themselves I don't think there's any one of these reports that that contradicts or anything. I think they're all pretty much in alignment. Uh, In terms of implementation, the things I've been working on the past couple of months are um, one to establish the town's relationship with, with different uh, organizations like citizens housing, you know, CHAPA mass housing partnership uh, to uh to, to get a good rapport with them uh, they're the ones who find out when all the affordable units are up for either sale or resale and we had one recently uh, uh turtle brook uh, which was referred to the town by uh, chapa uh, they had a lottery system uh the unit is under agreement right now for only two hundred and thirty-eight thousand uh, dollars. there were two other units sold up there about six months prior that were I think one was 520 and one was 550. So it was a good a good opportunity for somebody. So we've established, I think, a pretty good rapport with some of the state agencies in that in terms of uh, knowing where some of these affordable housing units are in town and what the availability is. Uh, the other thing we've worked on is the um, making sure the subsidized housing inventory has has uh, been updated. Uh, right now, uh, with this, the, the uh, state is showing approximately 1,100 affordable units, which brings the town to, I believe, 13.7 in terms of percentage, which is, which is great. I mean, it's, 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 it's well over, obviously, the 10%, but I, it's, we've been working to make sure that uh, any of the units that have been developed in town uh, are on that subsidized housing inventory. So we've been looking at a lot of different deed restrictions and documents and that to make sure. Uh, we found that a couple uh, aren't, and we're kind of chasing down some of those documents to, uh, you know, to make sure that the uh, subsidized housing inventory really reflects what's, what's been developed in the town. And the third thing in terms of implementation is, you, and you mentioned it, is the, the new uh, MBTA multifamily zoning. Uh we've just completed, uh myself and Gene have worked on it along with the uh working group that the uh select board uh created, I think sometime at the end of October. And we've established a uh an action plan that's required by the state that we have to file by January 31st. Uh that's done. We were before the select board uh Tuesday night, and uh we're ready to we're ready to actually you know submit that uh to, to the state. And that's the new zoning law that requires uh, zoning, multifamily zoning by right. Uh, can't restrict it to senior or, or any other. It has to be kind of an open process. Uh, the working group has met a couple of times, and the working group uh, is uh, myself and Gene, uh, Charlie Duty, a member of the Planning Board, and a member of the Zoning Board of Appeals. Uh, we've looked at some initial areas, uh, and. Most of the focus has been around Canton Junction uh, and those areas. We, we haven't created boundaries yet because the boundaries are created through something called the compliance model that the state gives us that kind of plugs in density and in, in, in unit capacity. But the general area that people have looked at is, is kind of that northwest section of um, Canton Junction. And in terms of how we can do that, there's there's, there's several mechanisms. I mean, you could create a new uh, a new zoning based zoning district, or we, what we've talked about briefly too is possibly expanding uh, the Canton Center Economic Development Priority Development Area C, which is just to the south of Canton Junction that abuts it. Uh, that's already in place, uh, multifamily is allowed, but allowed by a special permit. So if that was changed and amended, it would have to do by, you know, be, be created by right. Um, one of the things I ran into also is is the uh, Canton Junction Transit Development Plan, which uh, uh, really good document. I think what it does is, it, is it, it talks about a lot of things that you have in the master plan implementation. Uh, it talks about uh, creating housing, and this was even prior to the new MBTA zoning law uh, creating housing just to the, also the Northwest of Canton Junction. So we've been, we've been looking at that area as the possibility of, of uh, uh, having the boundaries. This is, this is a couple of year process though. The action plan that we're submitting basically gives the town what they call interim compliance. That way, I know Gene's been, been applying for some grants so the town's still eligible to apply. Plus, I think it shows the, uh, the state that, that Canton's moving along with this. They're trying to, you know, we're trying to put this together. Um, and the one of the things in, in, in the transit-oriented plan, too, and the state's trying to encourage this is not to just put developments down, just not just plop them down somewhere, but to create neighborhoods. And I think one of the things that could be accomplished with the, uh, the MBTA zoning is is creating uh, uh, not only a neighborhood, more of a neighborhood around Paul Revere, but working to uh, connect Paul Revere uh, a lot stronger to the to Canton Center, um, and I think I think this is a, a, a good way to do it. Uh, as far as the process goes, um, once this interim action plan is in, then then the real work starts. Then basically, we have to take a look at the uh, uh, density and the uh, uh, unit capacity. And then it goes through the regular zoning process. You know, there'll be public hearings through the planning board, uh, just open public hearings. Uh, and it'll, it'll go right through the, the zoning process that normally would all the way to planning board, select board and town meeting. Uh, the zoning has to be done by December of 2024. So there's a, there's, there's a lot of time to work on this. Uh, I don't think it's something that's going to happen overnight, but I think, I think we've put a lot of time and progress into this. We were also lucky enough to uh, get a grant through uh, Mass Housing Partnership. Uh, and the consultant who was selected back by Mass Housing Partnership to work with us is Horsley and Witten, uh, which is the same consulting group that, that helped you folks with the master plan a couple of years ago. So they're very familiar. They're very familiar with the town and, and the uh, the master plan, obviously. So they'll be on board myself and uh, uh, Lisa had a conference call with them last week uh, to go over the their scope of work. And I think as soon as they sign a contract, they'll be on board, ready to help us. So in terms of op- implementation, I think we have those things going right away, uh, kind of in the works. Um, I think a lot more is going to come out too once the uh, housing production plan is it's pretty much completed, uh, it's going to be before the select board, um, I think, Lisa, it's the 31st. The 30, the, the 31st.
3: Yes, that's correct.
2: Okay. So in and, and the housing production plan also that the, the housing trust has worked worked on this for quite a while. They've already established uh, an action plan matrix too, uh, which also calls out different categories, who the responsible parties are. And it's broken down into like local initiatives, uh, like working on things like Canton Junction housing, uh, first time home buyer program, uh, capacity monitoring and outreach, and then regulatory policy and planning. So there's three different categories that, that the housing trust has worked on. And each one of these categories has subcategories and it also has kind of implementation goals and responsible parties. So this is going to expand right, right now prior to the housing production plan being finalized. I mean, we're working on those three things that I mentioned in terms of implementation. Uh, there will be, there'll be a lot more uh, after I think after the housing plan also, but everything that I've seen works hand in hand with the master plan. Um, uh, I had a chance to go through the, uh, the Canton Junction, uh, transit oriented development plan, uh, which is on the uh, planning boards website on the town. And they talk a lot about linking the master plan and to Canton Junction and the importance of housing there and housing, housing for all types. Also, uh, uh, people moving into Canton, young professionals, uh, uh you know, seniors who want to downsize, um, and I, and I think this new MBTA law I think that's a good that that's a good mechanism to put into place I think to roll these things out um, so but those are the things we're working on right now in terms of Im- implementation um, and I think as as things roll out um, the, you know there's going to be a lot more um, but the Canton, I think the Canton Junction piece is is going to be a very important piece for the uh, town in terms of in terms of housing um, mm-hmm. And I, I, I think um, expanding into other areas like veterans housing and that um, I, I think um, uh, is something down the road that, that uh, we could look at, and uh, also uh, get involved in a lot of the uh, the uh, current zoning that could be expanded to expand you know housing opportunities. Uh, I don't believe there are any on. For this town meeting, um, uh, I ran into Patty at the select board's meeting, and I think the zoning issues that are going to be on now, uh, really aren't housing oriented. Um, but I think the next time around, there probably will be, so I think we'll be ready for that. Um, but uh, but I, I think a lot of the things that, that you have in the master plan are, are, are you know contained in the housing production plan, the uh, the Canton Junction plan, uh, I thought was. Very, you know, done very well, and uh, I think I think that's a great opportunity for the town in terms of housing there. Um, but we'll we'll be doing other things too, working with the housing authority and and, and some of their goals. Uh, the housing trust has has been been active. Um, the working group uh, has been very active too in terms of the Canton Junction piece. Um, so I think we're kind of we're we're rolling along on a, on a few fronts and um
0: uh, with regard to um let's say with affordable housing with regard to adding more affordable housing or trying to use um supply to also bring down the cost of housing um how do you see the balance between those two obviously we need the 10 percent of deed restricted affordable housing and as you are saying we're at 13 over 13 percent um but is there um an advantage let's say with the mbta um, housing uh, MBTA communities law, where even though those won't be restricted units, by increasing the supply in town of housing and different types, presumably of multifamily, you know, multi-family housing, does that in itself? Do you, would we expect it to have a an a, a pressure a downward push on um, housing prices in town, where it will in and of itself create kind of a more affordable. Um, environment for housing in town by kind of having more of an equilibrium between supply and demand, as well as what we're specifically needing for affordable housing or other types of restricted housing. Well,
2: I, I think the, um, the use of, of, of things that are already in place like inclusionary zoning, you know, uh, is the opportunity to not necessarily drive down the, the, uh, uh the price of homes, but to make them more affordable, you know, through, through that mechanism. Um, I don't think driving down the costs uh, because the, you know, land values now uh, building, building supplies, building products are going up. Mm -hmm. I think the way to do it is, is, is the way the town has been doing it is by, by uh, uh, requiring these developments to have affordable units within the developments, you know, and I think the Turtle Brook was a good, good example um, you know, somebody was able to to buy a, uh, a home, uh, a condo that was worth probably five hundred and fifty thousand dollars for two hundred and thirty eight thousand dollars. You know, uh, I, I don't think I don't think that drove down necessarily generally prices of homes, but the ones that are the ones that are affordable, certainly, you know, that was a good opportunity for somebody uh, to do that.
0: And with the the current inflation uh, for across a wide range of different industries, have we found that the need and how much has the need for affordable housing increased in Canton? Do we have any stats on in the last year, for instance, how many more people might qualify given their we, income we, aggregate housing costs. And- we we do. I don't have it right
2: in front of me, but that that's one of the things that the consultants addressed in the housing production plan. They've they've taken a look at that, uh, uh, and that's pretty much the preface of the uh, of the whole plan. Uh, mm-hmm. they've, they've they have all these statistics and metrics, mm-hmm.
0: and with regard to the downtown zoning. Um, The proposed downtown zoning changes, how would that affect housing in any, do you foresee either in demand need for housing or housing incorporated into those changes?
2: Well, I think, I think the proximity to, to uh, the Paul heritage units, you know, works out quite a bit. Uh, I think there's a lot less uh, land available there. I don't see any. Big parcels. I think there are some, you know, some opportunities for some vacant parcels, uh, you know, like the the uh, the former uh, Bank of America building. I mean, it's not a big, big parcel, but I think there are some smaller parcels that could lend, lend themselves to a few units uh, here and there in in, in, in the downtown. Um, uh, I think there's a lot more areas around Canton Junction just because there's more commercial areas and parking lots in that Um but I think there are some smaller opportunities uh, in downtown. Uh, I don't think there's any large, uh, large buildings or large tracts of lands that are that are that are vacant right now. Um, but I think I think just that proximity, if if you can, if you can do the connection between Paul Revere and and Canton Center, I think that's the thing that's going to really help Canton Center.
0: And uh, just to, to address the other focus area, is there? Um, any, I, I know there was some zoning that was on, attempted last year for mixed use on Route 138. Um, is that something that's still being pr- that pursued or considered, or is that pretty much tabled for the foreseeable future?
2: I haven't been involved in that it, it, at some point. I'm sure that will come up, though. Um, uh, it's sure. Probably... Uh, uh, something down the road, I think, once we, we kind of address some of the other things that we're working on now.
0: Great. Thanks a lot uh, for all of those comments. So, so it was it's a very important topic for our town to try to address all of the various housing issues we have. And I'm going to open it up to questions from other members of the committee and our guests, if anyone has any questions or thoughts, comments. Joe? And then Alan. Thank you so much, Kevin. You know, I, I, I
4: like uh, one component I was interested interested in was when you talked about that we discussed the middle the, the missing middle housing options. You know, when a lot of um, developers come to Kenton, they want to build larger homes, and they're really missing out on the the smaller homes that many people want. And when seniors, you say that seniors might want to downsize. Well, if we had those smaller homes, they probably wouldn't want to downsize. And I, I mean, I don't think any senior, I mean, many se- seniors don't want to willingly da- uh, leave their home. Some I think want to stay in their home. And, and that's something that, uh, so I'm just wondering what are your plans for, for smaller single family homes?
2: Well, I think now the a lot of the units that have been built are smaller condominium units that are small. They're not single-family homes. A lot of them are, are are attached and not detached, but they're certainly smaller in terms of square footage that somebody would have to take care of and that sort of thing and, and a lot more affordable than, say, like a four-bedroom, you know, colonial, you know, type of home. Um, um I think that's what a lot of the developers are doing now. They're not, it's not detached, but they're building smaller, smaller units. Um, uh, for example, uh, I think it's called Station. Is, is that the one off of Washington Street up by Town Hall? S- station Landing, I believe. Again, those are smaller, you know, those are smaller attached units. They're not single family, but they're certainly smaller, um, less expensive, less maintenance, that sort of thing. You know, so I think there are some opportunities through that.
4: I was particularly um, hoping you would address smaller homes, not apartments. And would it make sense to um, lower the minimum lot size for homes to uh, uh, to make that happen? Does that make sense?
2: It does. And I, and I think down the road, I, I think looking into the uh, overall zoning, in general to the same things you mentioned are definitely going to come, you know, uh, be something we're going to have to deal with. Um, uh, looking at smaller lot sizes and that sort of thing. Um, I don't think we've addressed that now, but it's something I think, I think the town's certainly going to do. And I think, I think the other thing too is, is, uh, creating more workforce housing. You mentioned kind of middle housing, you know, creating, creating that workforce housing, uh, the the kind of the government definition of it's 110% of the median income. And, you know, those, those are more, you know, working families and that, and that's, that's kind of that middle, that middle range. Um, And that could be done in incentives. Uh, uh, Years ago, I worked on the town of Barnstable. We completely rezoned downtown Hyannis. And one of the things we did was we created two incentive zones for workforce housing, one near Cape Cod hospital, right on the Yarmouth line and then one down by the Melody tent. Um, especially around Cape Cod Hospital, you had a lot of people who worked at the hospital, uh, you know, who weren't doctors or executives, you know, they worked in the cafeteria, they, you know, x-ray technicians and that sort of thing. So we created a zone uh, right near the hospital as an incentive to developers to build uh, what they call workforce housing, which is that middle. It, it, again, it, it it could be single uh, or it could be multi but in terms of zoning, we wanted to make sure that kind of that middle that middle area was was covered. They're calling workforce housing.
4: Uh, yeah, I'm I'm still interested in in, in the homes, not the uh, condominiums that can be uh, uh, labeled as homes. I, I had another question. If you talked about the affordable housing trust. I was just wondering, what are the uh, goals of the affordable housing trust, and how is the money being spent?
3: Um, Lisa? maybe I can take that one, hmm? Lisa, um, Joe, as, as chair of the affordable housing trust, let me answer that with that hat on versus my select board hat on when town meeting passed, um, they, uh, warrant article to create the affordable housing trust. The stated goal was to both, um, create and preserve affordable housing in the town of Canton. Um, and to date there have been Uh, two CPA grants, um, uh, which are to date the only sources of revenue to the trust. One was a grant of uh, $50,000 to hire a consultant to create the housing production plan, which it's a little confusing. It, It doesn't, the housing production plan does not identify specific numbers of units to be produced at particular places. What it does is identify the strategies that the town wants to use to encourage the production of affordable housing in town over time, that's consistent with the character of um, our town's neighborhoods and uh, the needs that are are, uh, sort of identified by the master plan. Um, And then the other source of revenue was um, a grant uh, specifically to fund the part-time housing coordinator position that Kevin inhabits. So once the housing production plan is um, approved by both the select board and the planning board uh, members who are invited to that January 31st meeting, then we will, among other things, try to identify sources of um, continuing revenue that can help us actually execute on these strategies and, and we'll kind of determine what are the best near-term strategies versus, you know, middle and longer term strategies and always um, sort of test them against the town, the residents, the leadership's appetite for Um, you know, development in a particular uh, part of town and to meet, you know, particular needs, whether it be our veterans, um, our seniors, uh, perhaps uh, communities of people with disability, um, uh, middle income households. Um, It's probably worth pointing out that although our subsidized housing inventory indicates 13%, which is about 1100 units, that Canton is given credit for, we actually have only about 550 units, half that of actual um, deed restricted apartments and and, um, homes. And that's because the state allows towns to be given credit for 100% of the number of units in a project of apartments if only 25% of them are deed restricted, so we have a number of projects in town where 25% are deed restricted as affordable, but Canton gets "quote unquote" credit for all 100% in that um, in that project in that um, building. Um, so we're we're very proud of our. Thirteen percent, but it, it doesn't reflect an actual number of households that are available to Canton uh, residents who would be income eligible for these units.
4: Lisa, thank you. And just a follow-up question with, for that is: um, uh, so right now, the, the money from the Affordable Housing Trust is going to consultants and salaries. Does um, is there any um, uh, plan? to for the town to purchase uh units to keep them affordable and not just at the 80 percent area medium income but maybe even like the uh lower amis you know what i'm saying
3: um you know i mean there are a number of things on the table but right now the the trust is not self-funded there are there are no funds available for the trust so we need to um, determine and persuade the town, um, um, to fund the trust, to be able to pursue some of these strategies. Um, and there are a number of ways to fund trusts, uh, and, and we haven't identified the preferred way that we're going to take to the town yet.
4: Thank you, Lisa. One way is to convince Mm -hmm. the residents to fund it. And I, I think the establishment of the the affordable housing trust was was part of that. Thank you, Lisa, and and thank you, Kevin. Thank
3: you. Sure, Jeff.
0: Just before, I I know Alan had a question or comment. Just before that, Lisa, is there, um, you were referring to how some of the units are in complexes that they constitute 25% of the entire stock inventory and therefore the whole property counts how uh, many of those units are deeded affordable housing perpetually versus sunsetting?
3: It, it's yeah. a really excellent question. And I don't have the number at my fingertips, but a number of the m- larger complexes are the ones that have expiring deed restrictions. And therefore, when those deed restrictions expire, if we're not successful as a town in um, having them Essentially bought out or extended, then we lose credit for all hundred percent in those complexes. So mm-hmm. you would have to either buy out those deed restrictions, or knowing that they're going to expire, create additional units elsewhere in town that are subject to deed restriction. Um, so it's it's a it's an excellent question, and of course it was one of the impetuses for i think the town's willingness to create the the housing trust because it was recognized that these are not issues that are addressed in 6 months or a year or two you know they take 3 to 5 plus years to work with developers work with the owners of private property you know who own the the units that are subject to deed restriction and some of them may very well um, be willing to work with the town to extend them. But as private property owners, if they decide that for whatever reason, once the deed restriction expires, according to its terms, um, because that's what the financing agreement permitted, we won't be able to force them to extend, uh, those deed restrictions. They've got to be willing participants in that negotiation.
0: Right. Um, thanks, Lisa. Alan, did
1: you have a question comment? You're muted. I have barking dogs, so I'm trying to keep them <laughs> muted. Um, continuing with Joe's. Before I go to my um, my question, is what are, Lisa and Kevin do? Other what have other communities done to try to build up funds? For affordable for the they have affordable trust. Is it like from seals of properties, like say a thousand dollars from the seal goes to, you know, to help fund something like this? Is that what mechanism? I mean,
3: I, I will I will tell you from my limited knowledge, I suspect that Kevin knows much more, but um, other communities have uh, created a permanent percentage of CPA um, dollars annually in excess of the mandatory 10% to be allocated toward, um, community housing. Um, they have permitted, um, uh, uh developers, um, even in towns with ex- inclusionary zoning, like ours, inclusionary zoning means that multifamily, developments above a certain threshold have to include, in our case, at least 10% of of their units be subject to affordability restrictions, deed restrictions. And some communities have said the developer can make payments in lieu of actually developing a unit. Um, Some communities have said, for example, you know, we get regular payments um, in connection with cell towers. um, And we're going to uh, direct all of those payments that we get on a regular basis to affordable housing, because that's a real priority in our town. And it's a regular income stream. Um, there are some that have marketed um, this as a need in town. And in the same way that we have philanthropic individuals of town routinely give to the senior center or to the library or to the police and fire um, you know, there may be people, philanthropic people, who are interested in making donations to affordable housing. Um, so there are a variety of um, methods to fund the trust. Um, I suspect an, a, one that's going to um, command more and more focus and attention um, are state and federal tax credits and grants. Um, because both Governor Baker and now Governor Healy have made um, housing in in view of the uh, admitted housing crisis in not just Massachusetts, but the nation, um, uh, a a real um, uh, area of concern. Um, There seems to be, you know, big pots of money that are going to be available. And the extent to which Canton can identify ways that we are prepared to deploy those funds um, may well make us a very good candidate uh, to to contribute certain amount of local funding, whether it's actual dollars, or for example, the contribution of land, that would be town-owned land, um, to a private developer or even a not-for-profit developer like a Habitat for Humanity that is trying to bundle um, sources of revenue from different places to make a um, manageable PL. and <laughs> um, So a developer, whether profit or not-for-profit, maybe it gets some funds from the community, it gets some funds from the state, it gets some funds from... Um, federal tax credit programs but we as a community want to be able to make some contribution to attract those developers that we can work collaboratively with to say this would be a good site this would be a good size this would be a good target population that meets the needs of our community
2: kevin what, what,
3: what do you have to add kevin
2: uh, in terms of, i've i've always worked in larger communities. Like I I worked in Taunton for a number of years and we had an affordable housing trust. Uh, The larger cities like Taunton, I worked in Quincy. We had HUD money and state grants that, you know, that we used, but um, I I live in the town of Dartmouth. I was on the CPC committee for, I think, 10 years. And what we did here is we funded the affordable housing trust through the CPC uh, and inclusionary zoning and, and state grants. And we were able to leverage a lot more than just that little bit of CPC money. For example, we converted the old, uh, uh, I'm talking down here in Dartmouth, we converted the the old state police barracks into nine units of of veterans housing. And uh, that was done in conjunction with our housing authority. And as Lisa mentioned, a lot of tax credits came came in in that. I think we put up maybe a half a million dollars in CPC money. I think the total project was probably four million dollars. So it leveraged, you know, we put in that half a million dollars of CPC, and it leveraged all that other, other money coming in, uh, grants and tax credits and so forth. Uh, in Taunton, we had a housing trust that was funded primarily through inclusionary zoning bylaw, and the bylaw required the developer to either build a unit on-site, off-site, or contribute into the housing trust, and most contribute to the housing trust, And what we would do is we would have an RFP process uh, once a year uh, where developers would come in, mostly smaller to medium-sized projects. And what we would do is we would, you know, we would uh, actually give them grants from the the inclusionary zoning. Um, But we made them leverage money. I mean, they had to have some skin in the game. They had to have, you know, their private financing in place and that. But in all cases, it leveraged a lot of money. And Lisa mentioned state grants. I mean, we already got one to help us with the Canton Junction. I think they they gave us, I think it's $20,000 for Mass Housing Partnership already uh, to, to, to get uh, Horsley and Whitten on board to help us, you know, and that was, you know, that was a grant for the state that's going to help the town. But I think uh, uh, the town, because it's less than 50,000 in population, isn't what they call an entitlement community where you get the HUD money directly based on a formula. But They do have what they call small cities community development money, and Canton would be eligible to to apply for that uh, on a project-by-project basis. So uh, I think to answer Alan's questions, I think between inclusionary zoning, CPC, and and, uh, grants through the state, uh, I I think there's three good sources of potential revenue right there, uh, which other communities have used very successful. And you can leverage you can leverage other funds with that money.
1: So, like, for example, like on Sherman Street, there's that large um, complex of uh, apartments that are for rent, that mm-hmm. are for rent. And, you know, and they've been around ever since I've been a kid, you know, so they're at least, I'm going to say, 50 years old. Would there be like huge incentives that the state would offer, like those owners, to um, redevelop it into, you know, a bigger complex? Just adding, because you could add considerable housing right there. So I'm wondering, I know the town's supposed to be doing, you know, their share, but is there something being offered to property owners by the state to encourage them to consider doing things?
2: Oh, they've always always encouraged them through grants, what they call a one-stop Uh, application that comes out once a year, a number of years ago, rather than having separate timing for the grants, they've put it all into one package. So all these developers, especially nonprofits, you know, they look to the state once a year for all these state grants uh, to be able to do that. Um, It could, it could be used for expansion, uh, some rehab properties, some, some expand properties. Uh, But there is, you know, there are state funds out there to help, help people do that. Um, but that has to go hand in hand with the appropriate zoning also. I mean, at the local level, you have to be able to do that. You know, so I think that's where the town comes in, 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 in terms of, again, implementation and master plan. You got to make sure the zoning is, you know, capable of, of somebody coming in and do, doing that. Then it'll go to the state looking for the funds. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Helen. Uh, does anyone
0: else have any other questions? Well, uh, thank you very much, Kevin, for joining us tonight and um, for all you do to help with the housing in Canton and trying to uh, make sure that the town is maximizing all of its opportunities in housing. And, um, you know, we look forward to monitoring the housing production plan and MBTA community law and some of the other initiatives going on in housing as time progresses, including even the Affordable Housing Trust as well.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Have a good night. Thanks. Have a good night, everyone.
4: Thank you.
0: Okay, so So the next item on our agenda is um, there's a um, proposal to create a sustainability master plan steering committee and that's um, moved from a citizen petition to a town article. So um, with that, I will uh, turn it over to Tom Birmingham and Jennifer Wexler, who both have been working very hard on on making this um, initiative a reality um, in Canton. So um, welcome to both of you and um, uh, I'll, uh, uh, Tom, did you want to go first or?
5: Sure. Hi, Emilio. I'd like Jen to actually go first, but we do have a uh, set of slides that would you like me to put on the screen, or would you?
0: Uh, No, I can. I have it up.
6: Thank you. Good evening. Oh, um, you know, we're not going to start with the slides for just another moment. So if you want to just stop screen sharing for a moment, I'm just going to do some introductory remarks. Um, I'd like to kind of introduce myself to you. I know some of you know me from um, my work with uh, Canton Residents for Sustainable, Equitable Future. But I, first of all, just want to really appreciate all of you and greet you, um, Emilio, Alan, Lisa, um, Joseph, Bob, and my colleague Tom, it's really an honor to be here with you and just sitting in on that part of the meeting, the really important work and your commitment to Canton and the important work that you're doing and it was great just to listen to that. Um, I am a founding member of Canton Residents for Sustainable Equitable Future And I'm also a resident of Canton for the past 10 years, where um, I got a chance to uh, raise my daughter through high school here um, and live here with my husband. So I, first of all, want to really thank you for giving us this opportunity to speak with you about what we feel is very important Um, article. And we want to give you a little bit of context in terms of our vision, um, the status of the initial article, which my group sponsored, um, as well as talking to you a little bit about how we came to the resubmitted version and kind of where that's at in terms of really the Good progress and the opportunities, and what we're hoping for in working together with you and other commissions and boards, as well as residents and other groups within the town. So, my group is an all volunteer group. um, And the mission of my group, Canton Residents for Sustainable Equitable Future, is to educate. Um, build coalition and community across all sectors of our town, and to take local town based initiative, regional initiative, statewide initiative, and also support national efforts um, and actions towards a sustainable, equitable future. You may recall um, some of you I know were there in 2019. Um, we had we organized GreenFest at Canton High School, which was when we introduced the idea of municipal energy aggregation and really educated people about what that means. And you know, we've made such good progress since then. Um, we also, you're probably familiar, many of you, that we sponsored the plastic bag reduction ban at point of purchase, and and with a coalition, a statewide coalition that we work with, we we were involved and very instrumental in passage of the relatively new state law, an act creating a next generation roadmap for Massachusetts climate policy. Um, our emphasis as a group is on climate climate change mitigation. You know, we need to adapt and protect ourselves, but we also need to make every effort to, you know, change and address the problem. Um, and so through decarbonization and reduction of other greenhouse uh, gas emissions, Toward a much needed uh, carbon zero uh, future. And this includes strategies uh, to support the transition to clean renewable, locally sourced electricity. As you know, electricity can be sourced through dirty energy or through clean energy. And um, other, you know, talking about housing, um, retrofitting buildings, how you know the, the uh how we build new homes. Um, and just working towards electrification of everything. We want to wean ourselves. Another key goal that that drives us and our mission is how do we really wean ourselves rapidly off of fossil fuels in terms of heating, transportation, uh, buildings, of course, and continued measures to reduce our energy use. Um, and think about you know what is what is planned growth, and you know you are the master planning committee and. Represent the planning board, and you know the importance of planning and being strategic in terms of growth. Um, We want to ensure clean air, clean water, and very importantly, a respectful and harmonious relationship with Earth and her resources. Um, So, and by the way, you know, in terms of um, homes. Uh, and, you know, you're, you're having that discussion, there's research that's recently been published that shows that natural gas, gas stoves, a high, there's an extreme correlation with childhood asthma and gas stoves. So these are all things that we want to think about because, um, you know, our mission and goals are generated from a wellspring of caring, deep caring about our community, about Canton residents, Uh, The communities that surround us, the public good, public health, um, our children and grandchildren and, you know, the earth and the ecosystems that support life. So that drives us. And to accomplish our goals, we really understand the significance and importance of working together with you, you know, working across sectors in our town and for, you know, the town and, you know, your committees and, and so forth to continue to be the kind of champions of a a better climate future um, through both local, regional, statewide collaboration towards decarbonizing and advancing sustainable strategies. We've worked to create momentum um, to advance these crucial and time-sensitive efforts and goals. And um, we were instrumental in uh, the May 2021 Town Warrant helping the select board include language that enabled the um, municipal energy aggregation for residents and businesses. And we also did a lot of organizing of residents and businesses to ensure successful passage of that um, uh, article. And one of our board members, Lila Morrissey, serves on the Energy Advisory Committee alongside the chair, Tom, who I have really had the pleasure of working with. Um, and, um, uh, this program, you know, the Canton electricity choice program is an excellent step forward towards offering and making clean electricity options accessible and available to Canton residents, um, and businesses, um. And with the new article that we are talking about today, um, we can continue to build the necessary momentum that we need for the kind of systematic and continued progress as a town. Um, I want you to know that I choose to keep doing this work because I care deeply, I want us to succeed, and I remain very hopeful that we can rise to the very extreme challenges that are before us in terms of the climate crisis. And I am surprisingly undaunted and unbothered by um, discouragement and its twin burnout. I, you know, this is something that I have been working on for quite some time, and I'm excited to work with you and continue to work with you. So we fully expect that the select board will represent in the new version, which we wait to see, Um, The spirit and the letter of our uh, resubmitted version, which we again took the um, feedback from the town on that, and I really hope that you will join me and uh, my group and Tom and many others in supporting its passage. So just to wrap up my my introductory remarks, I had the good fortune of meeting Tom. Um, a couple of weeks ago at the select board meeting, when he, as the Energy Advisory Committee chair, was presenting his committee's uh, the the their outstanding progress on uh, advancing the Canton Electricity Choice Program, um, and. Tom and I have been working together ever since then, uh, and on this article and envisioning a comprehensive view of both local and regional strategies to include, to achieve these important goals. So in a moment, I'm going to turn it over to my co-presenter who we all know and respect and, um, will, uh, he will give you more context for the article before you and illuminate what we've accomplished to date. And again, I hope that, um, you know, you will give it your due consideration and support. So, thank you. And, Tom, take it away.
5: Thank you, Tom. Thanks, Jen. Appreciate that. Hi, everybody. Tom Birmingham, uh, as Jen so kindly introduced, chair of the uh, Energy Advisory Committee, which is uh, driving the Kenton Electricity Choice Program. So, thanks for having me back um, in the last month or so, as Jen said. We've uh, made some good progress in uh, driving the drafting and the acceptance of an ATM warrant article related to sustainability, and uh, this is kind of the next update for you all from the last time that uh, I was able to present to you. So, Emilio, if you wouldn't mind just putting up the presentation, this should take me about 15 or so minutes to get through, maybe a little less, if, if, unless you have questions. And then I'd like to spend um, on the last slide uh, a chance to chat a little bit more about next steps and what we're asking uh, from this particular committee and other committees and boards. So uh why don't we go to the next slide please Emilio. <laughs> and uh interesting quote on the right from our new governor Healy from her inaugural address. Uh I guess you don't need to take you know too much reading into the details of the quote my takeaway was there's more support and uh, initiatives coming at from the state level. And similar to the housing discussion we had a few minutes ago, uh, the better I think Canton is ready to demonstrate its leadership in both housing and sustainability, more likely we're going to be to uh, capture available funding that's coming both from private and public sources. So we'll um, just give you a quick overview of uh, what we're up to with the... um, uh, the article itself and then uh, we can get I think it's important to sh- sort of see the sustainability journey we're on uh, and relate this to what the master plan implementation committee has going some good news bad news and ultimately what we're proposing is to try to fill some gaps that we've identified in the master plan itself and then we'll get into uh, what we're asking um, your help from as as you might have gathered there has been um, some progress since we've submitted this uh, particular deck uh, related to which version the uh, article that we're going to go in front of ATM in May. Uh, We think there's actually gonna be two versions. I can explain a little bit more about that. Um, But right now, the one version that's on track to be included in the ATM is our previous version, uh, which did not reflect town council's um, recommendations. So this alternative version is planned to be seen from town administrator uh, by the end of the month. So why don't we go to the next slide, please. So we're just trying to you know, provide you some context with the article, share the vision of maturing Canton's future sustainability related efforts and to ask for your support of the ATM article. We're going to kind of explain a little twist to that, as I said, that the version that we sub- circulated to you for this meeting has been. Um, um, did not make the warrant. as as expected, but we expect something very similar to be provided by town administrator. So we'll tweak that towards the end of this discussion. So go ahead, please, next slide. Um, Really in a very high level nutshell, uh, the A-Team article seeks to initiate the process to do three things, to develop uh, a plan, to hire a new sustainability and climate manager that would help deliver on the plan, and identify funding opportunities to support these efforts. Um, What one of the pieces of recommendation we got from town council was to remove the request to establish a steering committee from the actual warrant and do that offline. So again, sorry for any confusion, but the warrant, the article that's going into the warrant, we'll call it the original article is now going to be included. But come ATM, we're going to ask to withdraw that article and replace that with what we is yet to be seen the town sponsored warrant article. But we do not expect uh, the inclusion of a request for a steering committee in the article itself. That's going to happen on the side, and that's really one of the uh, requests for your support is um, if select board decides to um, include the. Master Planning Implementation Committee, which is what our request is, that we get your support to participate in that and more on that in a little bit. So next slide, please. Um, hard to see, kind of bit of an eye chart, but what you're seeing is this uh, journey that we've been taking, the chart moves from 2014 to 2023. So over the last, you know, 10, 12 years, we've made a lot of progress in Kenton towards uh, designing and implementing a lot of sustainability related activities that we should be proud of and it's setting us up well for the future Um, but what we'll show you I think in the next slide if you want to just go to that is some good news bad news Um, when it comes to energy environment and climate related issues We have a pretty good idea of what camp residents want through a lot of different public engagement opportunities, including the master plan. Uh, We think we know why these are important issues to address. There's uh, science-based reasons why this is important. There's just sort of fundamental lifestyle reasons why this is important. As Jen mentioned in her opening remarks, there's generational issues as to why this is important. Uh, we've identified and are implementing numerous action items to address these issues. For example, the master plan has identified what I counted about 30 sustainability related related action items that uh, I talked to you about the last time I presented. And um, we think there's currently uh, a lot of help that's currently available through the state and private sourcing But as I mentioned earlier uh, with Governor Healy's comments, we think there's a lot more on the way. The bad news, and I articulated this a little bit last time I spoke was the number of these action items um, require some additional help to ensure their success. Uh, I would argue that we don't have a clear plan, implementation plan for a number of these uh, items that are listed in the master plan. Uh, There's additional leadership, labor, and reporting structures that I feel we would benefit from, and I know um, Jen does as well. There's specific goals and targets. For example, no emissions reductions or mitigations targets have been identified, and that's a big uh, issue for the Canton residents for a sustainable, equitable future, Uh, and we're seeing the the state of Massachusetts is establishing those. So we just think it's a matter of time before the towns are going to be expected to do that, maybe to qualify for funding. Uh, so that's coming. Budgets and funding opportunities, always an issue, but I think there's money out there. Uh, timelines, there's not a lot of clear timelines on some of these deliverables. And uh, also importantly, not a lot of measures of success, the metrics and the, and, uh, the targets and the timelines could be more robust uh, in my opinion. And this is all sort of natural. I'm not being critical. It's just kind of part of the maturation process that one would expect to see over time. And uh, as I said earlier, we've made a lot of progress, but there's more to to do. So next slide, please. Um, Maybe an analogy to sort of help put in your mind's eye what this maturation process is like. It's kind of like where we are today is a young tree and we're trying to mature and advance Kent sustainability efforts, but they require some key ingredients, similar to a tree, sunlight, water, soil, community, and time. Um, A robust sustainability and climate program requires vision, leadership, accountability, collaboration, and resources. And over time, I think if we provide those ingredients to our sustainability plan, we'll end up with a nice mature um, working plan over time. So next slide, please. Uh, You may already know this. I touched a little bit on this last time, but current state We've got all these different um, areas uh, that touch on sustainability, energy, climate change, transportation, waste, water. These are all sustainability related actions, many of which are buried inside of the uh, master plan. And if we can develop the leadership, the plan, the smart actions, training, education, reporting, resources and data, data management in this more mature uh, environment maturing environment we will get to i think this future state that we're striving towards Uh, so hopefully that kind of makes sense of how to take current state apply these key elements and you arrive at future state over some time as i think lisa mentioned like housing uh sustainability takes a number of years so that's why we're trying to push Uh, this in front of town meeting in 2023, so we can really get some momentum to develop a plan that's going to take years to implement. Uh, So next slide, please. So this is where I really wanted to sort of open up the opportunity to hear your thoughts uh, and summarize what we think are some of the uh, next steps for us as as proponents of the petition and the Master Plan Implementation Committee, and some other boards committees that we're going before to try to uh, seek endorsement of the article. So first of all, um, we're looking to endorse the article. Again, It's kind of, that part is somewhat on pause until we see the revised article from the town administrator. Um, and then we're going to seek support from uh, for participation in the steering committee that piece is gonna happen offline. I think we can do that on a little more timely basis instead of waiting uh, through for May to uh, present this new article in front of the town. So I think in summary, what we're going to maybe do with uh, the chair's agreement and the, your, the committee's agreement is to present to you at a later date The revised article that comes from the town administrator to come back to you and say, okay, here's the new version. This is what's going to, uh, the the second version that's going to get on the warrant, but this is the one that we really want to support and uh, that reflects town council's legal um, recommendations. And um, have an opportunity to just go through that again with you in a little more detail later. Does that seem acceptable, Chair and, and huh.
0: Committee? Yes, Tom. I think that that sounds like a great plan.
5: Okay, thank you. We appreciate that. And then, in terms of supporting uh, the participation in the steering committee, that, as I said, I expect the select board chair to take that one up in the next several weeks. You know, like depending on how schedules work out. Um, is it fair that I can articulate? To him, that the uh, master plan implementation committee is interested and willing to engage with the select board for, as we scope out what this steering committee would look like and what its roles and responsibilities are.
0: Um, for, for that, Tom, did you want us uh, to vote uh, like a willingness to participate in such a committee? Is that or just the consensus for now? Um, I think. What would be if, most
5: helpful? I think if, depending on your your committee bylaws, um, to move forward with engagement with the formation of a steering committee that includes the MPIC, do you think that includes just a verbal endorsement, or would a vote be more um, consistent with the bylaws?
0: Um, I would think that we could. Um, I'm just gonna stop sharing for one second. and uh, but I, I think we could probably um, uh, I mean, we haven't seen the actual article that's the final article, so the article part we would have to actually wait to see, I think, to be fair, to endorse, although you know what you're presenting sounds you know very much in in tune with the master plan. Um, we could, if mem- if there's a motion, um, consider supporting. Uh, our willingness to participate in the process of developing a sustainability steering committee which i think that's something that the select board will be taking up more uh sooner rather than uh, the town meeting um how do committee members feel about that well like you said let's wait to see the article and where it goes from the selections? Okay. Um, any other thoughts, Lisa? Uh,
3: I think conceptually, um, it's very much in keeping with what this whole committee is charged with doing. And by that, I mean, the master plan is by definition aspirational. It's not self-executing. The master plan implementation committee was... Um, Formed in order that we take the next steps towards actually implementing. And a climate action plan would take the next steps toward implementing what we said we aspired to in the master plan. So conceptually, um, I I think creating a um, climate action plan. Um, to accomplish the goals around sustainability articulated by the master plan is exactly what our committee is all about. Um, but I, I would certainly agree with Bob that, um, the committee, um, ought to take a look at the current version or the to be current version of the article that reflects town council's, um, edits as to form, um, to, um, that my, and my understanding, after talking with the town administrator, um, is that these were recommended changes as to form to make it more consistent with um, Canton Town meeting articles. You know, uh, but not you know, no substantive changes as to policy. Mm. Uh, Jen.
6: I'd like to um, just clarify, if I can, and um, you know, correct me if you have a different way of wording it. So, after we got the feedback from town council about our original version, there were two major pieces of that feedback, and one was that the select board is uh, has the authority to um, implement and and create a new committee. And the recommendation was to remove that from the new version of the article and approach the uh, select board chair and make that request which is what we did and the the um you know in good faith our sense is that that is in motion but i think and separately we now we created this revised version which incorporated all of town council's feedback So there's two separate issues. One is, you know, would you, you know, and whatever you think is proper, would you uh, endorse the idea of some kind of a committee that we were describing that would help to uh, envision this comprehensive plan that Tom described to you? Um, And then the, the separate issue is, which I think we is more, um, and and Lisa described it as being aspirational, but the idea that you will stand with us in town meeting, uh, if the, assuming that, you know, after you see the new version and we see the new version, that it's in the spirit and letter of what um, we had created with town council's feedback.
3: Um,
0: how do, Lisa?
3: I mean, certainly just speaking as one member of the select board, Um, um, you know, I certainly plan to support the, uh, creation of a select board appointed committee, um, a steering committee to, um, drive a climate action plan along the lines of what has been previously described here. So since I, I'm telling you, I plan to support that as a select board, I certainly support that as a member of this committee as well. Thank you, Lisa.
0: Um, Bob Allen, any thoughts?
1: Um I support uh, that this uh, keeps going uh, to the committee and you know, and I think it's the it's um, it's exactly what we were uh, put on this committee to do
0: to make the changes necessary for the town. Mm-hmm. So I would support it. So like again, essentially, the concept being that we support the select board creating the committee. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob, any uh, thoughts on that?
4: Well, like I said earlier, I you just, want to I see just it I, for, yeah, I just want to see the final version. What's mm-hmm. going to be presented
0: of what the committee would constitute
4: that and what
0: and the article,
4: what the article is correct.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, um, with regard to timeline, I, I mean, I I think it sounds like something that definitely is the type of thing that um, the master plan. Um, is in harmony with, as in concept, um, because definitely if you look at some of the areas of protect and adapt of the town a master plan, um, they do support a wide range of sustainability goals, as Tom was pointing out in his slideshow. And as, as you were saying, Jen, in, in your um, opening comments, um, how affected would the timeline be if we waited till February to endorse that? When we see the town, I mean, definitely. You know, even the civic participation of this is exactly what the town master plan is devised to include. It's a, it's a, it's a great master plan story, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it, just speaking as one member, where the civic participation to get something that's in the master plan completed first by civic, a civil, um, a citizen petition, and the, you know, the, the the town article that's coming, um, but um, it might be better for our committee just to wait to see that article so that all you know our members are comfortable with that. Tom?
5: Uh, sure. Yeah, if it helps, uh, Mr. Chair, the timeline that I understand from town administrator, when we could expect to see this revised article, uh, town-driven article is late January, early February. <laughs> There's a hard deadline of when these town-sponsored articles uh, need to be finalized. So there is a hard deadline to do this. And I think depending on when your next meeting, I, I forget if you do biweekly or monthly, but month,
0: uh, we do monthly meetings by the, by the end of our meeting tonight, we'll have a February date.
5: Okay. So maybe what we could do is uh, just plan on um, trying to sync up. Another, if you're willing to invite us back, we can give you an update uh, and hopefully we'll have the town sponsored article in hand and we can share mm-hmm. that with you. And then we mm-hmm. can sort of be more certain on what mm-hmm. that says. And then I will try to uh, have a conversation with uh, select board chair and get a little more insight into what he's thinking on how best to progress with the mm-hmm. formation of the steering committee. So if if it makes sense, why don't we just put a pause on all of this, get some more information over the next several weeks, and plan on coming back in a month?
0: Okay. Uh, that sounds. Does that sound good for members? Yes. Okay. Um, the uh, well, a couple of questions I just had about it um, while uh, while you're here today is: It would the art the sustainability committee that's being formed um, would that be working to create the sustainability? plan in its first year or just organizing and establishing what needs to be done to do that, because that would definitely um, have an impact kind of putting on a little bit of a fincom hat here, uh, it would impact what type of budget that committee would need for the next fiscal year, because if there, if a sustainability plan is going to be like, for instance, when the master <laughs> implementation, I'm, I'm sorry, hearing committee. Was formed to develop the master plan. There was a budget to a st- to develop the actual plan to um, uh, hire Horsley Witten to to uh, through the bidding process. For, to, so, uh, what would the first year of that committee, if uh, it can it goes through the town article as envisioned, would that be already developing the sustainability plan, or would it be establishing basically what needs to be done, like an overview of? what needs to be done, and then moving forward, maybe in fiscal year 25, that plan would be developed?
5: Uh, What we're hoping is that it's more of developing the plan, but as you point out, that's gonna require some resources. We have identified some funding resources that uh, we think could be available to the town to do that. Uh, So the steering committee would then help sort of be the decision-making arm Subject ultimately, this, obviously, the select board is going to be the ultimate decider, but at least guiding the development of the plan itself, assuming we get funding. Which we, are, I think, everybody that's touched this so far recognizes the need to hire a third party professional who is um, got experience in developing sustainability and climate action plans. And there's, <clears throat> there's quite a bit of town involvement you know, uh, to, to do the development of that plan. So that requires a lot of engagement. And I think that's where you you get your money's worth from hiring a good third party to do that. The budgets for that, we're, we're looking at a regional approach. Uh, we've talked to the town of Sharon. We've talked to somewhat the town of Stoughton. Uh, and there's definitely some strong interest from the town of Sharon to team up and try to co fund the development of the plan. And if you look at the funding requirements of the funding sources MAPC, MVP, and EEA sorry for the acronyms, hopefully you understand what those are. Um, there are three pools of dollars that are available, and almost every single pool requires, you know, it uh, emphasizes regional collaboration. Uh, addressing equity and inclusion issues, um, environmental justice issues. And uh, so I think we have a better chance of getting funding if we did a regional approach. Um, The money that we think might be required to to help develop the plan itself is around 40 to $50,000 per community. So that's around the type of uh, size funding request that we would be putting together for MAPC, MVP, and or EEA. Um, but there's a lot of discussion that needs to happen with town administrator and uh, interim town planner on how to coordinate with other requests of the state for other higher priority, uh, you know, items that are already in the queue. So. I would like to try to go back to your answer your question as best I can, which is if we can drive towards the plan, fantastic, but that's going to require some money. If we don't get the money, then we'll have to um, sort of go back to plan B, which is I think the way you characterize it was the pre-planning process. You know, what's it going to take? Where do we get the money? Does, do we need to source it from the town? And then if we do, uh, it's not going to be, obviously, this year, we'll need to work with uh, FinCom and and others to support town funding for this initiative. Is that helpful? Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, thanks, Tom. Is there, were there any other questions for Tom or Jen? Well, again, uh, thanks thanks um, to both the,
6: Alan, of you. Um, Alan, Alan, something
0: to say. Oh, um, Alan, sorry. Sorry, Alan, you were on mute.
1: Did I see that there's, there's a meeting at the library sometime this month? from your organization?
5: Um, Mr. Chair, if we're ready to transition to the next topic, I can answer mm-hmm. that question. Oh. Um, Alan, that was related to the uh, Canton Electricity Choice Program public meeting, which is scheduled for July, uh, sorry, January 24th. And that is to help the public um better understand what this uh, Community Electricity Choice Program looks like. And um, it's the precursor to filing our uh, request for approval from the Department of Public Utilities. So it's a, it's a key step and a milestone to uh, asking town feedback on all the documents, particularly the plan, the aggregation plan, that we're going to submit to the department for public approval or for the dpu approval so that's what that public meeting's about does that make sense
1: it does so a question is look let, let's say everybody decides to go to join this um electricity company is could that be a source of income to continue your uh, endeavors is that is any-
5: yes, uh, perhaps <clears throat> there is a element of the proposal that could fund a potential um, town energy manager. Uh, cl- it could be a climate manager, a sustainability manager. Um, if the DPU approves that proposal, the select board has approved us to include that component into the application. The department has an opportunity to review that, accept it and deny it. If they do accept it, then we have to go back to the select board and decide whether or not the town wants to uh, support that element of the program. The funding associated with that could raise about $65,000 a year based on the energy that Canton consumes and that would come from um, participants in the program. It's an adder to the rate for participants in this program to help fund um, this energy manager or other uh, renewable energy initiatives. It doesn't just have to be for a person.
0: Excellent, okay, thank you. And, and, Tom, and Tom, that's uh, January twenty-four, seven o'clock at the Sala meeting room? correct to the public that want to attend
5: Yep. Yeah. and if there's any snow in the forecast please check the uh, camp calendar for an alternative date and time
0: so um any other questions regarding the uh um canton energy program okay again uh thank you to both you, Jen and Tom for um, such a wonderful effort um, of civic engagement here to develop a plan to help us uh, solve some of our sustainability uh, problems in Canton and um, we look forward to having you back um, at our February meeting and um, to hear about the um, town article and um, hopefully more uh, details about the committee that um, will be up and running hopefully soon. and um, once we uh, determine a date, um, I'll I'll send that to you, and um, and hopefully we can we can work that out.
6: Thank you all. A pleasure to be with you. Thank hey, you.
5: Thanks Thank to you, both. Have a good Bye. night.
0: Okay. So um, our next item. Just a couple of uh, first of an update. I did meet with the Saint Gerards Reuse Committee back on December 7th and. Um, provided a presentation for them uh, regarding the master plan and um, how it may assist them in their um, work to recommend some potential uses for the property uh, when they complete the recommendations to select board so um, and i think they're eventually going to have some public events uh, that the public at home can attend so um, we'll have more info on that if um, when those develop and the other thing is is that, um, as you may remember, last year, we um, had a, a report in the annual report of the town for our committee. so I um, see I screen here um, so I so that we you know had one this year as well, I drafted, if I can find where it is, there we go. Um, I drafted one as well this year. Um, for our committee, I had spoken to Jen Cammalian at the um, mm-hmm. executive office uh, regarding what the due date for this was, and um, she was saying she <laughs> would like to have it by the end of January um, for the town <laughs> meeting uh, for the town report, <laughs> annual report that's published annually. So, did uh, did everyone have a chance to read this? It was in the material. Uh, ma- uh, meeting materials that I sent.
3: I apologize; I've been away, and so I haven't read it. But I will. I commit to doing so and getting back to you with any comments.
0: Okay. Um, we, I,
3: I absolutely support including it in the um, uh, annual report for town. Okay.
0: So um, we'll
3: I
6: thank think. We'll,
0: for it. Uh, I think so. What we'll do is as, um, I, uh, I I don't have to send it till the end of the month. So if everyone could read it. And um, let just me send any comments just to me, so we don't uh, violate open meeting law. And then I'll make whatever changes anyone has, and um, I'll submit it on behalf of the committee. And I'll I'll send maybe it out in a second email so that members who aren't here tonight um, have a better focus on specifically this item. Um, and uh, so, but I think it's important that we have. Um, report in the in uh, continue the the process of having a report each year in the um annual report and uh so uh, um we'll uh we'll have a uh, we'll try and get that in there um the other item is is the approval of the minutes but i think joe may have dropped off due to technological reasons um so i don't think I think we don't have a quorum <laughs> um, <laughs> for that. So um, the, the, we do have three three minutes. Did at least all of you get a chance to look at those? We we won't be able to vote on it, but did everyone get those? Yes. Sir. Okay. All right, so we'll hold off on um,
5: the minutes. I on last month,
4: anyhow, so,
0: I was uh, away. Oh, but, oh right. Uh, thanks, Bob, for reminding me. Um, so. Um, we'll hold off on those until next next meeting because um, we need a quorum to vote on that. And so now we uh, come to up the up uh, coming meetings and uh, future guests. So we, uh, I was thinking we would sk- try to schedule February and maybe March. Uh, now March, I'm not sure what the deadline is for Zoom meetings to t- uh, t- uh, sunset based on the current. Legislature rules. I'm not sure of the exact date, but I think at some point in March, at least from the last uh, compromise agreement or whatever it was, I think it was supposed to end in March. So I'm not sure what the status of that is, uh, to be honest. So um, we'll have to see if March would have to be in person or via Zoom, depending on what the uh, prevailing open meeting law of the time is. But um, so in February, uh, let me just see. And I think again, I'm trying to avoid particularly school committee uh, meetings. Um, So hopefully, uh, I know um, there's probably more meetings there than there have been in some past times. But the um, so their meetings in February are the 2nd and 16th. So I think we would want to do one of the other Thursdays. 23rd. Um, so the what is it?
6: Twenty third.
0: Is the twenty third good uh, for others? Yes. Uh, Alan. Um, not sure.
3: And do it tonight.
0: Okay. Does uh, that work for you, Lisa? And Alan. Um. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, uh, let's see. Um, we'll do... Uh, we can, uh, the, we don't, uh, We what we can do is we can tentatively, let's see, because if we do it the 23rd though, it's going to be late for, um, for March. Is there a March date that works? And we'll see which one's further away from the March date? The 9th or the, because the 23rd may be too close to March. Well do we, also- um, we could also do another day other than Thursday um Wednesdays as Fincom I think is going to regularly meet on Wednesdays once we start our our full like budget schedule, so Wednesdays wouldn't work, but
1: also so that sustainability group looking for an endorsement for us right so i I don't think we could do it too late in the
0: month uh, right well um maybe we'll plan then for. Uh, Lisa, what dates are the select board meetings in uh, February?
3: Uh, Let's see, Um, the 28th and it looks like the 14th. I'm trying to bring up the calendar right now. Yeah, the 14th and the 28th.
0: Um, Would February seven work for people? That's a Tuesday where there wouldn't be, does that? I don't know what the timeline it's will be. Fine with me. But that one may be um, a good. That will be compromise. fine. With me. Bob, does that work for you? I, I guess so. Okay. I mean, I, I will try. And it's it's obviously where we're all on different committees and stuff. Sometimes it's I'll check too because we don't. We'll have to see with others if that if they get any. I'll try and send out an email to see if we get any feedback, but that, and hopefully that will work for um, um, Joe, Joe, yeah, and the others, as well as uh, Tom and Jen as guests. So we'll see. So I'll just, I'll check with that, but that'll be our tentative date for that. So now March on uh, Thursdays, is there a preference there? I think again, there, uh, let me see if the 9th and 23rd of the school committee. So, would March 16 work?
3: Yes, for me.
1: I, I'm going to say yes. I
0: think so, yeah. Okay. So, um, we'll plan then for February 7 uh, and March 16 at 7 o'clock. So, February 7 is a Tuesday. Uh, March 16 is back to our regular Thursday. Uh, date, and then we'll see on the March date, uh, whether that's a Zoom or not, but February will be a Zoom date, but we'll see it in, I'm not sure if there's any, uh, Elise, are you aware of any um, movement on that with regard to the uh, state legislature, or anyone extending that Zoom date past March? Because I haven't heard anything.
3: I haven't heard anything recently, but my understanding previously was that the legislature had every intention to um, make um, Zoom meetings um, um, uh, sort of legal as per open meeting law on a permanent basis. And but the legislature often doesn't work doesn't act until the very last minute. But that is my expectation.
0: Okay. All right. Thanks, Lisa. So we'll, we'll plan for them both to be Zoom unless they, the March one, can't be Zoom. Okay. Um, and we'll we'll go from there. Um, all right. So as far as uh, next uh, upcoming future guests, a couple I had in mind or, uh, were um, Mike Trotta, Public Works, to talk about the um, Public Works aspects of the master plan, uh, the Library Board of Trustees. Um, and the uh, library director, um, and uh, possibly, I know, uh, one of the times when Gene was here, we were discussing um, Josh Cohen of the CABI, um to discuss work-related things, and he wasn't able to make our uh, November meeting, um, which I had reached out to him at one point about in December, so we could also try to have him sometime in the spring as well to talk about the work links Mm -hmm. to the master plan.
3: Uh, Any thoughts on that? Lisa? Um, Has either Diane Tynan or Tyler Radiccioni of Parks and Rec been before the committee yet? Um, Not that I'm aware of. Not
0: that I'm, I don't recall. So I'll check the, I'll check, but I don't think so. So that would be one we could also add for the spring.
3: Yeah. I think Diane Tynan in particular um, would be, you know, really great to hear from, Um, particularly since, you know, her department became sort of recast as the Department of Human and Elder Services. um, It really has a huge um, sort of mandate and remit in town Mm -hmm. to provide social services.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be a great idea. Um and then uh so uh Diane Tynan, Parks and Rec as well. Uh,
3: yeah, Diane Tynan on that Department of Human right. and Elder Services and then Tyler on uh Parks and Rec.
0: Right. Okay.
4: Um
3: he's newer right. in his position, but nevertheless, I think it would be great to bring him into um some of the master plans goals insofar as um you know recreation, sort of right. lifestyle. Um uh, programming, biking, you know, um, you know, all of the right. above.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. All right, so then I'll work on. We'll we'll determine what how that scheduling works. Mm-hmm. Is uh, is there anything, Lisa, at the select board that would make any of those particularly time sensitive? Like anything that you see coming through the pipeline where one would be specifically well aligned?
3: Or... I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. I think it would, you know, it it would just be dependent upon their own schedules.
0: Okay. All right. So then I'll work on on reaching out to uh, figure out what the what would might be a good um, a good guest for February from that list, and uh, we'll obviously have Tom and and Jen hopefully back to talk about um, the sustainability article that's coming up and the committee that's being formed. Uh, So um, before um, I ask for a motion to adjourn, did anyone else have anything else? Uh, I apologize for the late time, particularly for Puerto Rico, (laughs) (laughs) where they're an hour ahead of us. Um, Any any comment? Do I have a motion to adjourn? I'd like to make a motion with the meeting at 1.02 p.m.
4: Okay,
0: second. Second. Okay, Uh, Bob? Yes. Uh, Alan? Yes. Lisa? Yes. And I'm an aye, so we're officially adjourned. Um, All right, so thanks everyone for for attending our meeting. Thanks to CCTV and everyone at home that uh, is watching our meeting. Um, Have a good night.